Welcome back, everybody. This is a very special bonus episode. It is Black Aja Friday here at Behind the Timeline, and we're going to be talking major spoilers for all of the Wheel of Time. So we're going to turn this into a weekly bonus episode on Fridays that I'll put out kind of Friday morning, so we all have something to tide us through our work days until we can watch the new episodes on Fridays. And um, yeah, I just really wanted a chance to kind of talk full spoilers. This will be spoilers through a memory of light, just so that we don't have to have any restrictions on this and just kind of talk about the show and the changes and how it's going as an adaptation. So I'm really excited. It's just going to be me doing these um, because Scott, of course, hasn't read the books. So Black Aja Friday for all those evil, evil spoilers that Scott doesn't want. So I'm going to talk about some plot changes, character changes, talk about Easter eggs. We'll talk about where things are going next. And I'm just, I'm just stoked. So let's talk about some plot changes here that I know we've been talking a lot about in the fan community, but the first thing is the no merge all in the woods in the beginning. Um, we don't get the three boys seeing the merge all and, just that interaction in the books is so great when the adults believe them. I really love that moment. That always felt kind of unique for me in fantasy. I really liked it. I was disappointed that it wasn't there, but I understand it would have added a lot of the time to the Two Rivers sequence. I think everyone agrees that was kind of clunky. It was rushed a little bit. It's like they really needed that, like at least a 90 minute pilot would have been super lit. <laughs> I get that they didn't get that. It's too bad. Um, I still really liked the first episode, but I do wish that they could have included that because I think it was so spooky for all the kids to see the merge all and for their parents all to believe them. And then, of course, we miss it just being the boys' houses who are targeted, especially by the Trollocs, which I think really lends credence to why like they should believe Moraine and like get the hell out of there. I think that would have been nice for them to include. And of course, we don't see Rand struggling to get Tam into town and the revelation that he wasn't born in the two rivers. And they're making that really subtle. And I get why, because it, it's what makes it most obvious that Rand is the dragon. So I think it makes sense. I think we might even get that in flashback. I think we're definitely going to get some two rivers flashbacks. For sure, we're going to get some for like Perrin's wife. Like there's no way we're not going back to talk about that. So I do think we'll get more two rivers flashbacks, maybe once we already know that Rand is a dragon or is kind of the final piece of the puzzle. We'll learn this. I don't know. Um, it was kind of rushed getting out of the two rivers though. They cut out a lot there, but I still thought it was good at the end of the day. I still thought it was good. As far as the uh, overall route here, that has changed a lot. It's obvious that we're not going to Camelin, or at least if that was a plan, Moraine doesn't tell anybody that because Everyone thinks they're just headed straight for Tarval and there's no in-between stop. Um, it's very Gandalf not to share the exact plan. Because we hear Moraine talk about going to Whitebridge, right, to find a sister. But the kids who are separated all seem to think that they need to be headed straight for Tarval. And we do have that map on the bonus features on Amazon. And, like, it seems like a really long way. I kind of don't understand how the hell this is going to work. Like, how are we going to be walking to Tarvalin. Is that where they're going to meet up? Because I swear there's like a bonus scene that that's where we see Nynaeve and, and Egwene. Wasn't there a scene like in the promotional stuff where we see the two of them run and hug or something? And I feel like that's the first time they're seeing each other. I don't know. It would be wild to me if they don't meet up before they get to the tower. But based on the episode titles, we're going to be in Tarvalin before we use the ways in episode seven, which how sick is that going to be? But 
it seems like we might for real walk to Tarvalin and then use the ways to get to Faldara. I really don't think that we're going to not have the ending be at Tarwin's Gap for this season. So I'm like, I'm really excited to see what happens there. I really, I'm enjoying these changes. I'm enjoying not knowing exactly what's going to happen and trying to think of like what they're going to do in the tower and how much of book two or three is going to be in there. Like I would love to see Egwene get admitted as a novice this season would be great. And then, then go to Valdera. I don't know. I'm curious to see how this is going to work out. Other changes to the plot. Generally, the white cloaks are just scarier and I can't wait to see them go up against Perrin Egwene and the wolves probably next week or the week after. Um, just sort of everything that they're going to do and see them get fleshed out. I think it's really cool to have this like human evil that's not necessarily working for the dark one, even though we know some of them are dark friends, the white cloaks in general aren't. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and then of course we didn't get more death and shatter Logoth, but I'm fine with it. I really liked the way they showed the shadow luring Matt in. Obviously I think that's Pat and Fane with the whistling that everyone's picked up on, which is brilliant. Um, and I like that it leaves them room to kind of expand on this later if they wanted to. There's enough mystery around that scene that if they wanted to make more of that later on, they absolutely can. I do have a concern though, and please, for listeners, send me feedback and tell me what you think. Did Bella die in Shatter Logoth? I'm so deeply concerned that they don't have Bella with them. Like, what the fuck? If they, they cannot name drop her once and then have her be gone, I'll be so upset. So that's not okay. I'm going to need them to have, like, like the cold open of episode four needs to be, like, Bella's journey to find Egwene again, honest to God. <laughs> and also, of course, Tom's entrance is different, and I approve 100%. Absolutely loved everything about the changes they made to Tom. It just feels so organic. It's just another turning of the wheel, you know? It doesn't bother me that... A lot of these changes don't bother me. Um, digging into our characters a little bit. For Egwene, we obviously had the addition of the women's circle. I love the trusting the river learning to ch and learning to channel connection. And Moraine calls that out. I love the kind of subtle hints that they're leaving out here. They're not slapping you in the face with it, which is very Game of Thronesy, which is good. Show, don't tell. Um and they're doing a really good job of it. And I hope they continue, like, instead of having the the sort of flower, like the bud opening analogy for embracing the source that they use so much in the books, I hope they really stick with this river thing and just really nail it in. Because I love the theme that they're exploring here of no matter what you call it or how you execute it, channeling's the same thing everywhere. I think that's going to be really important later when we start to see, like, the Aiel or the Sea Folk or... I mean, even the Shanshan, right? Like just seeing how different people interpret and use it and how there are similarities. I think it would be cool if they keep this water motif. I do think that the scene from the trailer with all the colors in the pool will come back as a flashback. Possibly, I think this would be cool when Egwene learns about all the Aja colors, which we don't yet explicitly. Like it's in the opening like the credit scene, which I loved, but they haven't explicitly said these are all the Ajas and this is what they do. And I think it would be interesting if at the tower they're running that down and Egwene's like, oh shit, we use all these, this same color motif in our ceremony at the two rivers. That would be a cool, like an epiphany moment. And we, then we could have it in flashback. Like I said before, I for sure think we're going to have flashbacks because we have so much to explore with Perrin and possibly with Rand. And 
Actually, I think definitely with Rand, because if Tam's going to be a big character later or Abel, Cawthon, then they need to go back and do flashbacks in the Two Rivers. Maybe some of that just gets handled when Perrin goes back there, if that's what happens when we get into some of the Book 4 stuff. I don't know. Um, or Book 5, wherever it is. So we pick back up with Perrin in the Two Rivers. But the other thing with Egwene... Just as like, we don't, I, I said this in our main review that she doesn't really have a chance to declare like, I'm going with you, screw you guys. I want to leave the two rivers. I want to go on an adventure. I want to push boundaries. She doesn't super get to do that. And the, the fact that she's a possible dragon here kind of doesn't give her that choice. Like it's like, they want her, Moraine wants her to go with them. But I would really like to see more of her kind of breaking some rules and wanting to be out in the world. And I think her decision to become Aes Sedai is going to, hammer that in what the fuck is Rand gonna say like he was pissed when she just wanted to be a wisdom imagine now he's she's like I'm gonna stay at the tower fuck you sorry it's gonna be rough I I'm really excited to see where that goes so moving on to Matt um I absolutely died when he tossed the dice I was so so happy and obviously like in the character deep dives in the Amazon x-ray they're calling him the gambler obviously this is gonna be important for him and I love when they said your your luck wasn't with you last night sorry and I'm like, yes, I love that he's a shitty gambler. Um, I think it'll be so cool when his Taviran kicks in and his luck like super boots up and everything. I think that that'll be really, really cool. I can't wait to see that happen. And I just love the idea that he's a crappy gambler. I hope we see more of that in the in episode four. I hope that we get to see him gambling and other inns that they're staying in and just continuing to lose. <laughs> like, I love that he's a shitty gambler in this. So um I do think that one of the things that we'll see like from book three that's going to be in season one might be him getting cured from the dagger and discovering his luck. I would love to see that happen at the tower like before Faldara. I think that would be awesome. Um, I don't know. Tell me what you guys think, but I do not think that we're going to go very long with Matt being a total asshole. I think it's going to escalate hard and then get cured relatively quickly and see him become lucky because everyone's picking up on the fact that everyone has you know, a double secret power. I think it'd be cool if in like episode six, Matt has his so that everybody's got something and then they can ramp up speculation on who the dragon is before the finale. Cause I, I kind of think they'll drag it out to the finale and, and take it all the way to Tarwin's gap, which totally works for me. The other big change with Matt is his shitty family. And I approve. Everyone seems to be pretty okay with this change. I am too. Honestly, I'm kind of okay with all of it. I, I was just really stoked to see the show, but um. I approve of the shitty family. I think it, I think that Matt's Matt's little arc that they're setting him up for here of really wanting to go home. And we all know that Matt does not want to go home. He's like, all he says for the first like six books is no, I'd like to see some, some of the world before I go back to my dad's farm. You know, he kind of intends eventually to go home, but he's really just bullshitting himself. He doesn't want to go home less and less as the story goes on. Just like he's not a Lord and he doesn't like to dress fancy while he's covered in lace. Like he, for sure, he doesn't want to go home, but I like that they're making this into much more of a conflict for him because of the girls and because of his shitty parents and what is he going to do? I, I'm excited to see where that goes. I think that that'll be really interesting. I also hope that the girls get brought to the tower sooner than later um, because then he can feel really good about being a man of the world and what a fun little arc. And I think it would be nice to see the girls at the tower like Toot sweet. I, I know that won't happen this season, but it'd be cool if it happened early next season or something. They were pretty young. I, I don't know. But I'd like to see that so that he can be free of that guilt, but have that be a nice little season one arc for him. 
On to the big one here. Uh, everybody's pissed about Perrin, right? I feel like I'm one of the only people out there right now who's saying that they like the Perrin change, but I really do for the same reasons that Rafe laid out in one of his interviews that he did, that it just helps give Perrin some motivation or not even motivation, but like just, just like a reason for all of his internal conflict. I think that having him be someone who has used violence in a way that like was really negative for him and and have that haunt him in terms of whether he's going to use violence and what weapon he's going to use and all of his his drama with the axe versus the hammer I feel like all of that is going to be better even some of like the bumpiness with his relationship with Fael I think will be better having had his wife be murdered by him I know that there's a conversation going on right now as to whether or not this is fridging I have to say I kind of I mean, yes, it is fridging. It is the technical definition of fridging. And you know that I'm the first person to lean on the side of any kind of feminist issue. I just feel like in a story where it's all female leads and in a world where it's a matriarchal society, like I, I don't really think it's a bad thing. I think it's great to add some motivation for him. And without making massive changes, right? Like book fans should be happy about this. She's not alive. She's not going to be like a character and change everything about the trajectory. I think it just reinforces everything that already is Perrin's character arc. I think it makes all of it better and a lot less exasperating because we all hate that from Perrin, right? At least at least now we're going to have kind of more to go on. And I do think we're going to get flashbacks. I think it's possible she was a dark friend or more likely now I'm thinking that she had had a miscarriage before. I don't know that she was pregnant when he killed her. That would be crazy, but it's possible that we'll get that in flashback. So I really think we're going to learn a lot more about her that will make her kind of less fridged. Like she's going to come back. I don't think that that actress is done. Um, and I'm, I'm here for it. Honestly, I think it's going to make everything make more sense, especially like when he murders the white cloaks next episode or the episode after. I feel like that's, like we'll see him go into berserker mode again, probably, and start to be like concerned about that with Perrin. I I think it's all kind of brilliant. Um, I'm not mad about it. Suffice to say, I'm curious to see where it goes, and I hope that everybody can like find a way to be happy about it. I hope that it works out for everyone. I know people are kind of pissed about this change. I'm not. I'm really not. As far as Rand goes, fair to say his relationship with Egwene is really all that he has going on right now. You know, a lot of his arc at this point in the Eye of the World was centered around the revelation that he has that he wasn't born in the Two Rivers. Obviously, we don't get that. So I'm here for it. I think they're trying to obscure what's going on with Rand. Obviously, the mystery of the dragon is like a lot less of a mystery in the books. So and I keep telling Scott, I'm like, if you read them, because he's still mulling reading them. And I'm like, if you read them you're going to know who the dragon is like pretty promptly. So we'll see what he ends up doing there. Um, I really wish that he could bury Alan this thing and just read the whole book series. But until then, it's just going to be me for Black Hours of Friday. Um, but Rand, yeah, I, we're going to see what happens here. I like it. I like that he was able to like channel to break the door down. Everyone's totally picking that up, but also no one's quite sure what to make of it. Everyone thinks like maybe he has super strength. Like it wasn't, it wasn't explicitly channeling the way that we see it from Moraine. I think we're going to start to put it together better after episode four, when we get to see Loghain. 
Um, and I'm aware that everyone's probably seen episode four by the time this comes out. I know that it's like, you know, it's midnight GMT. So a lot of us in the States will be able to see it Thursday, but whatever. Um, moving on to Nynaeve. Her backstory has changed a little bit. Um, she gets some of the hints that they skipped over with Rand, and I'm totally here for it. I, Her age really counts her out as one of the possible dragons. I feel like that's clearly what they're trying to get across there. So I don't know if the Dark Friends think that the fifth possible dragon is Loghain or Nynaeve or what. But obviously the Dark Friends think there's five of them. I think that's an interesting wrinkle that new fans are really picking up on that divergence from the two stories, right? That Moraine says there's four, the dark friends say they're five. They're like, who's the fifth? Obviously it's, I feel like it's obvious that it's not naive, but also it's the, the Emmonsfield five. I don't know, man. I'm curious to see what happens with that this week. I, I love that they're adding some new stuff and, and mystery. Mystery is what gets people hooked. So if we want new fans to this, and I, and I think that we do, to this series. Mystery is the way to do it. So yeah, keep throwing those wrinkles in. I like it. Let's see what happens. What I like about the Nynaeve situation right now with new fans is that no one seems to understand that she must be able to channel if she can listen to the wind. Like they lay this out so clearly. They're like, okay, Egwene, you can learn to listen to the wind from Nynaeve. We see Nynaeve listen to the wind with Egwene before the Trolloc attack. They explicitly tell us that listening to the wind is the same as channeling. And yet like Scott's not picking this up. I only have one friend who hasn't read it, who gets this. Who's like, no, I thought that was implicit for sure. Everyone's like, everyone has a special power, but I don't know Matt's or Nynaeve's yet. And I'm like, how do you not get this? So I obviously I think in episode four, they're going to lay it out. And I think that'll be really exciting, but I think it's wild that no one's putting two and two together about Nynaeve. What I do think that we'll probably get, and this might be how they explain it to us, is a flashback to her healing Egwene's arm. So if you look at Egwene's arm, uh, it gets cut on the rocks during the ceremony and it's bleeding when she's floating down the river. When Rand sees it later, it's like really well healed. Like way, but like that is, that has been healed with the power, but like kind of poorly. It's kind of like shitty weaving. <laughs> like it doesn't look like anyone who really knew what they were doing did that. Cause it's not, it's not like when Moraine heals Tam. But it is way more healed than it should be after just a couple hours, I feel like. It looks like it's like a week and a half old. So I think that we might get in flashback Egwene in the colors and also Nynaeve healing her arm. And I think that would be really interesting as a way to reveal that Nynaeve can use the power. Um, I would love to see Maureen explain to her just how strong she is. I thought it was hilarious seeing Nynaeve, who we all know will eventually be able to heal anything, is like gathering her herbs to heal this this stab wound from Moraine. <laughs> Even one of my friends who did pick up on the Nynaeve stuff, who said she thought that was implicit, was like, I thought she was going to do magic. Why is she gathering herbs? And I was like, okay, love it. Love it. You're paying attention. But I hope that we get to see her, you know, do some healing or like blow something up next episode when Loghain escapes. It would be great to see her, her have her, her power revealed. Um, Moraine and Lan, they're just perfect. I just love Lan's like fucking try it face every time anyone <laughs> tries to step up to him or Moraine. Um, the the really big change here is kind of her entrance, which I thought was was pretty weak, to be fair. Um, and even though that scene was clunky, I overall approve of the change because the way the kids fawn over her in the book is just so juvenile. You know, I that's not the tone that they're setting up. I and I think it's good. Stay away from all that YA stuff. I just thought her entrance was clunky in that scene, but I, I do think it's better that they changed it into being a lot more 
ominous. I saw a review from some people who've never read the books and they said they set her up like a bad guy the way she walks into the wine spring. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I, I really like the the non-Gandalfy nature of this Gandalf figure is one of the coolest things about Wheel of Time. We talked about that more in our main episode. So let's talk about some Easter eggs here. Um, we have the dead sheep in the shape of the dragon's fang and also the blood from the Trolloc in that shape, notably not the blood from the dark friend, though that did have like the, the blackness seeping out, which I thought was a cool way of visualizing it. Honestly, I was surprised by the Trolloc blood. Obviously the, sh- the sheep were laid out intentionally. The Trolloc blood seemed more like a natural mystical thing, similar to the blood coming out of the dark friend. And like, we know that the dragon's fang is like, it's an evil symbol in the third age, but it's not inherently. So it's not like, I mean, the, you know, Sidene isn't inherently evil. So it's interesting to me that that's the symbol that we're getting. And I'm wondering, I don't think that they're going to change very much about it because we see the ancient symbol of the Aes Sedai isn't on the ground, the floor of the 3d trailer. And I think we actually might see it. Like maybe it'll actually be there on the tiles on the floor of the, uh, in the hall, in the white tower. I think that's possible. I So I'm confused because they're kind of making it out to be like this inherently naturally evil thing by the way the Trolloc blood made that shape. So I don't know what to think about that. I think it's an interesting change. We're going to see what happens. We also had Moraine's Angriel, which I kind of can't believe she didn't use during Winter Night. And I'm sure she'll be using it soon and it's cool to have it foreshadowed for us. So when she packs up like in the first first scene of the first episode and she's packing that up with her so like they've hung that on the wall it'll be Chekhov's on Grial. it'll come back but I can't believe we didn't already see it it's super cool that they included that um similarly we had the stone dog which I realized what it was like while I was talking to Scott in our main episode and just like let it glaze over I was like is it a stone dog and Scott's like yeah it might have been a dog and I'm like I'm just gonna leave it at that but but for sure, this dude is a stone dog, and I love the way they're setting up the Aiel. I cannot wait. Nobody is picking up what they are putting down on the Aiel, though. I, I haven't, I mean, I'm sure some people out there somewhere have, but I haven't talked to anybody or really seen anything where people are like, rant must be an Aiel. Everybody sort of glazed right on by that. My friend who I watched with, Scott, everything I've kind of seen, even, even Ben, who's read the first book, hasn't brought that up with me. Um, so I don't know why people aren't figuring that out. I think it'll be cool when like, hopefully they'll drop some more hints about that. Cause I honestly think that him being a super soldier as they're putting it forward, right. The way they're describing the Aiel, that might take people further off the scent about him being the dragon, which I think would be, um, a nice, a nice way to take it to divert people <laughs> so that it's not too obvious. I also really liked, um, speaking of which, Tom's song that was about Luz Theron. That was pretty wild. The man who can't forget. And Rand's face, like he's like tearing up during it, which Matt wasn't. And I think that was some cool foreshadowing. I think they're setting up so much for people to come back like in season three and four and pick up on a lot of this stuff. And one of the things they're setting up really, really nicely right now is Luz Theron and the madness and everything that's going to go on with Rand. Um, specifically through the way that they show in the first episode the, the the man who can channel who's gone mad already and he's 
seeing this other person, right? Then we have Tam talking about how people don't don't have memories of their past lives. Obviously, the guy the dude was seeing is a memory of his past life. I like making this a thing just for all male channelers that when you go mad, this is what happens. You're able to have those memories. And then we have this song, The Man Who Can't Forget, in the prison of his making and all of these things. And I'm like, yeah, that totally makes sense. I I think they're setting it up really, really nicely. <laughs> they're just really setting up this chessboard. It's so beautiful. Um, and I can't wait to see Rand start hallucinating loose there and all over the place. Like, I don't think there will be quite so many questions in the show as to whether or not he's going insane as there were for book readers, right? Like, I think a lot of our first times through the book, we like, I certainly believed Rand that he wasn't insane um, because he's an unreliable narrator. And we're getting so much fun, unreliable narrator stuff. Like when Nynaeve, a lot of people have questions about this. When Nynaeve says, you know, I know about the bond between the Aes Sedai and, your, and her warder. And I'm like, do you, Nynaeve? Do you? Because it doesn't work exactly like that, right? You're not like constantly feeling exactly everything that the other person feels. You're super aware of it. Like you feel it to an extent, but it's like when, uh, when Alana, I think, feels Rand's pain, or is it when the girls, when they do like the multi-way bonding later on, uh, and they're like, how do you bear it? Oh my God, this hurts so bad. Um, I feel like, I feel like Elaine or Avienda says that. And, but they don't feel that all the time. It's not like you always have scenes where Elaine is like, oh my God, it hurts so bad to feel Rand's pain from the wounds on his side. Like, it's not like that. So I like that Nynaeve like thinks she knows what she's talking about. And, you know, and also Lan is just such a badass because I'm sure he did feel some of that. Um, Cause that looked fucking gnarly when they were like deep hussing her wound. Nynaeve's such a badass. But um, let's see what else I got here. Those were a lot of the Easter eggs and stuff. We talked about Egwene's arm. We talked about a little bit about Pat and Fane's whistles. I'm hearing that we can hear a whistle in episode three. I haven't quite caught that. I've seen the one in episodes one and two, obviously. I'm hoping for a more obvious one in episode four. I want to kind of, I want people who are not book readers to start picking that up because I don't think anyone else is quite noticing it. Or if they are, they're not sure they don't think that Pat and Fane is there. I haven't seen people quite put that together. So I would like to see that get made a little bit more explicit um, because episode five is called Blood Calls Blood, which tells me we're going to get Pat and Fane. And I just, in terms of what's coming next, I'm so excited for episode four. I, I can't wait to get to watch it. I'm recording this on Wednesday, so I'll be able to see it tomorrow night. Episode four is going to be called The Dragon Reborn. And I don't think they're going to reveal it. I think that re that refers more to Loghain than it does to Rand. So I think we're going to learn a lot more about the prophecies of the dragon and the Corinthian cycle and all of that stuff next week, though, which I'm excited for. Probably more about the breaking, obviously, about the madness. I The trailers that came out like today for episode four look lit. I can't wait to see Loghain. He looks so good. And I really like his accent that they're going to have a little bit, not everyone's going to sound English, which is fan-fucking-tastic. I love how they're expanding the world. I can't wait to see them keep building on it. Um, but for next week, episode four of The Dragon Reborn, I assume we're going to see a lot of Perrin and Egwene with the white cloaks. I feel like we'll see the scene that we saw from the trailer where Aram's been knocked out and the white cloaks are circling them. I think they'll get yoinked from the Tinkers. 
and probably we won't see Aram again for a while. If we do, I'll be surprised. Um, but also they cast him. I don't really know. We're going to see. But I assume that by the end of either episode four or five, they'll be back with Moraine, Lan, and Nynaeve. But I, again, I recognize that promo shot of Egwene and Nynaeve reconnecting in the tower. So maybe not. Um, I think it would be pretty cool if Perrin and Egwene get themselves out of this one. Maybe Egwene does some more cha uh, channeling. I do love the rescue. I love when Nynaeve like is cutting the horse line free and like Bella basically prevents her from getting caught by just being the chillest. Um, but I, I think it's likely that they might get themselves out of this with the White Cloaks without Moraine's intervention. Because I think Moraine is going to be busy with everything that's going on with Loghain. And I support that change in including the Loghain stuff. I think as a fandom, we've all been totally ready for them to expand upon Loghain, who is awesome and who should get to be awesome sooner. So I'm here for that. The promo has him doing his hysterical laugh. And I don't see how that could be about him seeing Rand, but wouldn't that be dope? Who knows? I, I kind of suspect that Moraine, Nynaeve, and Lan will get kind of like derailed from their mission. I think they might like reveal to the audience that Moraine's on like a stealth mission right now. And she might end up like basically just to save face. She might have to go back to the tower with Leandrin and Alana and whoever else she's about to meet up with along with Loghain. So maybe they do... Like, maybe Loghain does spot Rand while they're in this procession. I don't know. But I could see that being how Moraine gets back to the tower. And then everyone else, like, surprise shows up, like, manages to get themselves to the tower. So that would mean that Perrin and Egwene need to get themselves out of this white cloak situation. So that could be, could be this week, could be this week slash next. I'm not sure. Um, I think we'll see Rand, Matt, and Tom singing for their supper a little bit doing a little bit more of that Eye of the World storyline, which I'm glad they're condensing because it's honestly not that interesting to me. So it's not my favorite part of the Eye of the World. So hopefully they'll expedite that. Um, probably they'll have the run-in with the Fade, but I think this episode will be mostly focused on Perrin and Egwene and Moraine and, and Loghain and that whole side of the story. I think it'll probably be mellow on the Rand, Matt, and Tom side of things. Um and then episode five, Blood Calls Blood. We all know what that's from in the books, but there's no way they're in Faldara in episode five. Like, I feel like they're going to use the ways to get to Faldara from the tower, which the geography here is fucking wild. Like, I don't know how we're walking to Tarvalin. Even the characters are like, we're going to, we're going to walk. We're, what do you mean? So I, I don't know, man. That seems that seems pretty wild to me. I still really think that we're going to be at Tarwin's Gap at the end of all this, and the ways the the dark the dark within the ways is that what the episode's called? It's like episode seven. So I think I think that when we have what is episode six? I think is the Flame of Tarvalin. I think they'll be in Tarvalin. So I don't know how this is going to shake out. But I'm really excited to see what happens in episode five, because that's the one that I feel like I can't picture in my head right now. Of like what exactly will be happening there, except that it'll be the final approach to the tower, I guess. As they, or maybe they arrive at the tower in that episode and they get a couple episodes in the tower, which would be sick. I really want to see Matt get healed while we're there. And I want to see Egwene become a novice and maybe even... 
I mean, it would be fucking dope if we saw an accepted test. I just doubt that. But I think it would be a cool setup if they managed to do everything that needs to be done at the tower in books in book two slash to an extent book three. I think it would be cool if they got all of that done in like two episodes this season so that when they leave Faldara, like I could see Swan giving Egwene and Nynaeve instructions like early season two to go on the Black Asha hunt and bypass a lot of time. I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting really excited thinking about how they're going to shake this down, though. I absolutely think the whole thing can be done in eight seasons. I spent a lot of time last night thinking about that instead of my homework. But I'm just really excited to see where this goes. I really hope that episode four comes in with a huge bang. I think that when you have a three episode drop like this and then go weekly, episode four is like as important as episode one. Um, it's the first weekly episode. It's the first kind of we've all had a chance to be stoked. Everyone's kind of gotten their introductions. Everyone wants to see where this goes. Episode four cannot be a slow episode. And nothing about it looks like it's going to be. I think they're going to blow the whole world wide open with the low gain stuff. And I think it's brilliant. I think it's going to go well. I'm hopeful. I'm really enjoying the series so far. I hope you guys are too. Let me know what you're thinking about it. Let me know how much of this spoilery content you want. I'm planning to do Black Aja Friday once a week and, uh, and just get to into these evil, evil spoilers <laughs> on my own because I just need to talk about it and need to put this out into the world. So I'm excited to do this again next week. Let me know what you think, if you guys are enjoying this, if there's anything else that you want to see from us. And then we're going to be back after the Thanksgiving holiday, which is tomorrow in the States. Um, well, tomorrow from when this is being recorded. But We'll be back after that for episode four, and then we'll be coming back in with some of our regularly scheduled timeline stuff. We'll be doing um, Star Wars episode six, so that's exciting. But mostly I only care about the Wheel of Time right now. So let me know what you think. Send us feedback. You can reach us at gobehindthetimeline at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Instagram at gobehindthetimeline or on Twitter at behindtimeline. And subscribe wherever you guys listen to podcasts. It really helps us out. Um, and we're, we're so excited to see more engagement with the Wheel of Time stuff. So seems like you guys are enjoying this. Let us know. I cannot wait to see everybody back on either Sunday or Monday. Our Thanksgiving plans actually might pose, uh, push the episode four review out to Monday. But either way, I'm excited to see you guys back then. And we'll be talking about episode four of The Wheel of Time. And until then, I hope that you guys had slash have a great Thanksgiving if you're in the States. Stay nerdy and we'll see you soon.